have been in a study, a series called Begin Again. Part one, God understands. Part two, overcoming the fear of failure. Part three, taking the sticky out of stuck. And last week, part four was yes and no. Did you, did you know that Jesus said, let your answers be yes or no? Much more than that just seems to engender opposition to good. One translation says, opposition to good. When you get into answering more than yes and no, in other words, be certain of yourself. You enter into what the therapists call cognizant dissidence. And uh, we're going to touch on that even today. Today, don't waste your mistakes next week getting past your past. You know, before I even begin with this, I want to talk about somebody that you're all familiar with. I mean, you, you, you haven't met him personally, but he's a huge figure. Uh, all of you are going to know him. And uh, he might be best known for one of the most colossal mistakes ever. I mean, like, as soon as I tell you who I'm talking about, you're going to, oh, yeah. That guy made a boo-hoo of a mistake. I'm talking about Adam. <laughs> Serious mistake. <laughs> Serious mistake. And he blamed his wife. Yeah, he blamed his wife, which, you know, is kind of par for the course, too. So, uh, but man, what a beautiful story as the rest of the Bible unfolds and gives to us today the best picture of all of how loving our God is and how that every action he takes towards us is redemptive, not punitive. God's actions towards you, even when you make a mistake, is always redemptive, never punitive. These words that are on the screen here are from a song called You Say by Laura Daigle. Laura's recent album, Thoroughly, it's an intersect between the spiritual and supernatural and the, uh, just the natural world, the secular world. Uh, I don't know that I could call her a crossover artist, but she's tremendously popular. Thoroughly a passionate believer and Christ follower. Her most recent album has done more sales than any of the leading female artists that you could name right now in pop music or R&B or any of them. I mean, some of the big, big names. Her album dropped and beat all of them. These are the first four lines to the song you say. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say, I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again who I am because I need to know. 
We live in a mistake-filled culture. And we are a mistake-prone people. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it is not, the issue is not making a mistake. Rather, it's believing that you are a mistake. Jesus was sitting at dinner one evening with all of his disciples. It was right before he was going to be arrested, beaten, and then tried with a false trial that ultimately sent him to the cross. At this dinner, he was engendering commitment, passion. Peter spoke up and said, Lord, I'll go with you anywhere. I'll follow you no matter what it takes. I mean, if all these other dudes around the table deny you, man, Jesus, you can count on Peter. I'll be there. This was Jesus' response. Simon, pay attention. Satan has demanded to have you all, to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times. You will deny you even know me. Did you know that God knows your mistakes before you do them? Bam. And so I'm convinced he doesn't get all that excited over your mistakes. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If he knows them all before you do them, what do you think he gets very excited about when you actually do it? And here's the great thing. It never changes his love for you or his commitment and his passion for you. All of my mistakes. And he knew that I was going to do it. And his passion and his love for me was unwavering. Imagine that. In verse 32 here, you see something pretty interesting. I think I spotlight that here. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. It's like, well, if you'll repent, I mean, if you'll change your mind and turn around from this evil that you're going to do, and, and if I really see the sorrow and the guilt and the shame that you are so deserving of, <laughs> then maybe I can use you again in your brother's lives. But that's actually 
not in the Greek. So I went into the Aramaic language, which the New Testament was originally translated in. That's what they spoke at the time was Aramaic, not Greek. It says this, also in time return and solidify your brothers. Why is that so important? Because God is just fine with your process. We all make mistakes. And it's a process to be healed. It's a process to get back sometimes on track. And God never leaves you, never forsakes you. He just stays right with you that entire time. Doesn't upset him, doesn't get him all worked up. In fact, when you make a mistake, God's already looking ahead to the things that he's called you to because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And, and he tells Peter right here, Peter, in time, there'll be process. I'll be the, right there with you. Don't worry about it. And in time, you go on back there and you solidify your brothers. You know your mistakes do not remove the call of God from your life. I wish I had understood this a lot of years ago. It would have spared me a lot of grief and a lot of pain. Most likely it would have spared me going in to the Jefferson County courtroom and filing for divorce. From her. See, at that time, I just didn't believe. I didn't know anything about the fact that God continued to walk with me through the worst mistakes. He didn't disown me. He walked with me. And rather than pulling me out of ministry and shaming me and guilting me and telling me that I had no future, he knew there'd be process. And he was committed to me in that process. And he was looking ahead to the day that I'd be standing right here before you in this pulpit preaching again. That's what he was looking for. Because his gifts and his calling are without repentance. Something's happened to this congregation. You used to clap every once in a while. Now, uh, now, wait, whoa, wait. Now, I'm not looking for the clap. I just, I just think, so, I get so excited about God. Sometimes I can't help but just clap and worship him. And if that comes on you, I mean, if you have to stand up alone and clap and worship, you do it. God help us and deliver us from being religious. Don't be too quick in the middle of your mistakes to make new commitments. Even to God. Because you make them and then you don't keep them. And that's called cognitive dissonance. Where you say one thing in your commitment and then your behavior does not follow. And of course guilt and shame come. You beat yourself up. Hello, am I alone here? Anybody ever? 
but what it, what it starts doing is that gets into your mind. It drops down if it stays there long enough into your attitudes and the spirit of your heart. And it, it can absolutely bring bad health to you, force you in a place where you're not thinking clearly and you're making even worse mistakes, all sorts of things. When you make a mistake, you run to the Father. Realize that he's there keeping you up in his arms, speaking to you, looking into your future. And he understands that there's process. Let's fast forward now. So Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a slave girl came up to him. So you understand that now at this point they have arrested Jesus, hauled him off to court and there's a, there's a large area outside of this court, a courtyard where there's a place to sit and there's a campfire going and Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a slave girl came to him and said, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it in front of them all. I don't know what you're talking about. When he went out to the gateway, another slave girl saw him and said to the people there, this man was with Jesus, the Nazarene. And he denied it again with an oath, saying, I do not know the man. After a little while, those standing there came up to Peter and said, you really are one of them too. Even your accent gives you away. And at that, he began to curse. <clears throat> Have you ever cursed? <laughs> Not today, my brother said. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Let me get out of church and I'll... Peter was all man, human being, called of God. The man Jesus said, hey, when, when you get through your process here and you get this corrected, I want you to go and work with your brothers and just solidify the gospel message in their heart. That's who's standing here in this courtyard cursing, saying, I don't even know the guy. Never walked with him. Don't even know him. Don't have anything to do with him. Imagine you being called to start the first church. Father, the day of Pentecost where the Holy Ghost drops and 120 walk out of the upper room drunk in the power of the Lord. Peter, this Peter, preaches his first sermon and 3,000 people come to Christ. That's this Peter. And oh, by the way, that's not years of counseling and restorative ministry and healing and being part of an accountability group. And <laughs> This is just a few weeks later. After this, Peter's preaching under the power of the Holy Ghost and people are coming to Christ. Mm. Makes me want to shake. <laughs> then Peter remembered what Jesus had said before the rooster crows. 
you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. As is my custom, I like to study from a number of different translations and be sure that I'm being faithful to original languages and context. And I discovered something here in the New English translation about verse 61. Watch this. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. You will deny me. Let me ask you a question. The Bible doesn't say. But what was on uh, Jesus' face? When he turned and looked at Peter who had just denied him three times and then the rooster crowed and Jesus sitting in the courtyard waiting for trial turns and he looks at Peter. What do you suppose was on Jesus' face? Was he angry? Was he I told you so? Well, then why do you picture God that way when you make a mistake? I can see just a little smirk, a bit of a smile developing in the corner of Jesus' mouth. And he turns and he looks at Peter and says, I love you. You are a delight to my heart. I love you. Peter, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. You see, the law is our response to the God complex required to be certain about everything. I've got to be certain about everything. It's our response to the uneasiness of having our opinions challenged. And our conclusions tested. I actually have found greater freedom today at my age in my walk with Jesus and being a minister of the gospel than in 35 years of previous ministry. And one of the great reasons is because I've learned just to rest and sit back and take it easy and not worry about all the stupid things I do. I'll give you an example of one, by the way. I mean, this is kind of lighthearted. It's not a deep theological thing or divorcing my wife or anything like that. I mean, it doesn't compare. But So I'm running late this morning. I'm in the bathroom. I'm thinking about all of you and what you're going to think about me as I walk in late. And wouldn't you know it, as I drive up, by the way, I drive up, get into the parking spot, I'm getting out of my car, getting my coat out, and I look over, and there's Elder Don. 
Dear Lord, I can't even get in the church without running into one of the elders. <laughs> so I'm rushing around. And how many of you have ever used one of these uh, water picks for your teeth? Okay, instead of flossing, you know, you put water in a little container and turn it on and it shoots out a little deal and you do your teeth. So uh, I thought while I'm getting ready, well, I'll, I'll, to save some time, I'll fill the thing with water ahead of time and then I'll jump in the shower. Okay, so I've got it and I'm all ready and then I get out of the shower and I grab that thing and I don't know what came over me, Jim. I really don't. I, I don't know how this works. Okay. But I pushed the on button while the little thing was still in the holster. Now, have you ever noticed that when you do something stupid, your mind just kind of checks out? I mean, it's not like your focus sharpens and you have all your faculties. No, you lose those. In fact, you compound the issue by doing more stupid stuff. <laughs> so, this thing's shooting water all over the wall. It goes like that, but, you know, very, really fast. So, <laughs> and I'm reaching out, trying to turn it off. Well, the tank is full, and there's no lid on it. So I'm spilling water all over everything. And then I thought about Linda, Cynthia, Bob, how I'd have to stand before you and have my wits and preach and be all together and be smooth and professional. <laughs> and I just... I just had to laugh and realize, you know what? This is who I am. I'm a man, and I'm human, and I make mistakes. And I'm so glad that God never leaves me, never forsakes me. He walks with me in the process, and he sees me through. I wonder what his face was doing when I did that. <laughs> Uncertainty, fallibility, all, when those things challenge us, it hurts. It hurts to walk in uncertainty. It hurts to realize I'm fallible. It, but sometimes that stuff just needs to be knocked out of us, sort of with a good mistake. And that's all going somewhere, by the way, because mistakes don't define you. And weeping and shame and guilt, they do not affect God's forgiveness, by the way. God does not forgive you because you ask. If it was based on that, a lot of y'all would be going to hell. <laughs> God forgave you in Christ. In fact, Paul wrote in Ephesians, before the foundation of the world, he saw you and forgave you in Christ. 
What I do when I, quote, confess, it's actually the word in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, 8, and 9. It's actually the word to agree with. What you do when you confess your sin is simply agree that God is good. I am forgiven in Christ. I receive my soundness, my healing, my forgiveness. You see, because the issue isn't making a mistake. It's believing that you are one. That's what's on God's mind. So Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, so this is after Jesus has died, been raised again, and now he's in a room having breakfast, fish for breakfast. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs again. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus has a way of asking us things that might hurt us, but he's trying to drive something home and get to the point. Your mistakes do not define you. Let me give you seven things now as we think about closing that will help you not to waste your mistakes. Number one, God knows your frame. Quit being so hard on yourself. He's the one that made you. He's the one that built those desires. He knows your frame. Number two, mistakes don't define you. Number three, mistakes challenge you to reevaluate God's perspective. Number four, your mistakes will cause you to be better prepared to understand and help others. Remember Jesus' word to Peter? Jesus, when you get this process worked out, you go and minister to your brothers. You go and help others out of your journey. How many of you are with me this morning? Okay. Next. Your mistakes constantly move you into a greater grace consciousness. Oh, this message is a message of grace for all who will listen, including you on the live stream. Like Einstein, your mistakes and failures prove all the things that you do know now. <laughs> Einstein once told a gentleman, uh, an underling who had been working on a project for Einstein, after 700 failed attempts to work this project out, to find an answer for this, the young man was going to give up and he complained to Einstein. And Einstein said, this isn't a failure. Young man, listen, just think now of all the things you know. And he got back after it. 
That's encouraging. Your mistakes serve to deliver you from a self-based reliance on your own strength into a trust-based walk of knowing who you are in him. Jeff, we have a song that I want you to ready and we're going to lower our lights a little bit because we're actually going to close our service with this. What I want to do is open up the altar area here. You'll notice there's some pillows for you to kneel on if you'd like. We have a bunch more if that's your, your thing. You're free to come to the altar, to stay in your chair, to walk around the room, however you would like to address this. But I really felt like that the Father wanted to spend a few moments with each of us this morning, reminding us that he's there, reminding us that you are not a mistake, reminding us that he's not given up on your calling or your future. And he wants to deliver us from this guilt and shame that goes with these attitudes of religion that when you make a mistake, when you even sin against God, that somehow you need to feel all of this guilt and shame and you need to work your way back into a place of proximity with God. Could we stop that? We go ahead and lower those lights. This is the song I mentioned earlier by Laura Diego, or Daigle, You Say. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know I find my worth in you, I find my identity 
Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at your feet You'll have every failure, God You'll have every victory 